This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. I'm Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by Charlie Potter, the outstanding beat reporter for us there at BOL as well. It is Wednesday, July the 29th, 2020. We got a lot to get to on the podcast. Charlie, as I bring you on here, it has been uh, yesterday anyway. It was an opt-out Tuesday around the National Football League. Uh, I guess you and I are still in, right? I don't think 247sports.com has opted us out, or uh, you're still with us. And uh, our plan, at least, is to be around for the 2020 college football season. Yeah, I mean, hopefully there is one, and it goes off without a hitch. And, you know, if Alabama's on the field anywhere and I'm allowed to be there, um, per the university, I, I plan on being there. But uh, who knows? I mean, it's a, it's a crazy time we live in, and to see guys uh, earlier uh, in the week and choose not to play in the 2020 NFL season, um, you know, it's it's a you know it's it's a bit surprising, I guess, but also you got to think into personal situations and things like that, and a lot of them make sense. But still, with you know, just with that being kind of their life and what they've done forever, to, to see them choose not to play, it, it kind of shows the severity of the situation. It does. Uh, you've got people like Dante Hightower uh, with with newborns. Uh, he and his fiance welcomed a baby boy here, I guess, a couple weeks ago. And then you've got some guys that, you know, bigger guys are, are more suspect to this situation, apparently. And you talk about guys like Andre Smith and Chance Warmack, 300 plus pounds. And uh, you don't know what the family history is in a lot of these situations. And uh, just the, the the sort of demographics that come into play with this with this virus and the fact that we still don't feel like anyway, we know as much as we probably thought we were going to know four months ago. You know, it's it's that's what makes it all the more mystifying in a lot of ways. Um, what we do know, again, Dante Hightower out, Andre Smith out. Chance Warmack out, and Charlie, I guess Shaheem Carter showed up on the COVID-19 list on Tuesday as well for the New York Jets. Yeah, that's something new. We we know about um, you know, injured reserve. We know about the PUP list. I know Ruben Foster's on that, coming off that knee injury from last year. But this is a new one, and obviously it makes sense given the, the current situation and the pandemic. And you know, to my knowledge, at least uh, at the time we recorded this, Shaheem Carter is the only player that's been placed on this COVID-19 reserve list. He was one of uh, two players the Jets put on there. Uh, on Tuesday, along with a fellow rookie and, and Bryce Hall. And uh, to be clear, we don't know yet if he is um, or he has tested positive. The the new reserve list uh, was created for a player who's either tested positive or who has been quarantined or 
uh, been around people uh, in close contact with those people that have been infected uh, by the virus. So, you know, it's a situation where, you know, that's a tough deal for Shaheem. He's a guy that went undrafted, got picked up by the Jets as an undrafted free agent. And, you know, given the, the lack of time that these guys have been able to be in the facilities and on the field, guys like that are, you know, it's tough to land on a roster without really having time to, to show what you're capable of doing at the professional level. So hopefully he can get back on the field soon and, and land on a roster somewhere. But as of right now, he's the only guy that has been placed on one of these lists. I'm sure, you know, there could be more in the future, but he's the only one at the moment. Yeah, and I guess with Jamal Adams being traded right to Seattle, mm-hmm. if the Jets view Shaheem as a safety, that sort of compounds the issue, right? I mean, because that's a roster spot potentially uh, that he's battling for, not necessarily Adams' spot as a starter, but a spot at a, at a sort of mutual position, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the Jamal Adams trade was big news and the Jets got a huge haul for that. And, um, and I think they have some capable options, but to have a guy with the versatility of a Shaheem Carter is why you add him as an undrafted free agent. There aren't a lot of roster spots in the NFL. There are 53. Uh, you obviously have to cut your, your roster down in the off season, uh, from, you know, a hundred plus to, to 53 and uh, teams are having to do that on a weekly basis. But when you have a guy that's as experienced as Shaheem, that's, is knowledgeable and can play multiple spots there's a place for him on a roster because he can play uh in the slot he can play at safety he can even play maybe some at corner and so um you know that that's a, a luxury to have i'm sure the jets having shipped away one of the nfl's best young defensive backs and best young overall players would like to have someone on their roster and right now given the certain or the current situation you know he's having to watch from the sideline at the moment here in tuscaloosa alabama and and mandatory workout phase uh one of those through next thursday friday the 7th is when we had the amended preseason sort of ramp up when teams were going to be allowed to open i guess this year's version of fall camps it's about a week later than typically what we see for that opening weekend on labor day weekend uh what about skylar delong speaking of opting out uh charlie <laughs> I know that had you playing a little roster tennis a couple of days ago. Uh, where are we at with Skylar DeLong here? He's back on the roster. Um, you know, I was actually looking uh, at the roster, trying to um, kind of edit hours on the website and in our scholarship distribution page and, you know, help out the people at CBS to try to get that uh, set for the 2020 season. And I was looking through and it just so happens that I, I looked on the day they took him off. Uh, they took him off on uh, Monday morning and um, I reached out to Alabama, made sure it wasn't a mistake because I think people remember um, back when earlier this off season, Markel Benton wasn't on the roster anymore. And uh, that kind of made the rounds on social media. It was all over our message board. And then he popped back up. I obviously didn't want that to be the same situation and, you know, come to find out Markel is actually suspended and, you know, he was taken off initially for a reason. Uh, but you know, I, I checked, I did my due diligence, I reached out to Alabama and they said it wasn't a mistake. And, um, I, I checked the transfer portal. He wasn't in there, but sometimes, you know, guys take a few, um, or, or a little while to do that. Mark L being one of them. And then, you know, later in the afternoon, Skylar Long shows back up and, and that's a situation where, you know, they were probably like, well, why is Skylar still on the roster? 
and um, someone's like, okay, I'll take him off. And then they see the reaction to it and, you know, they, they maybe wanted yeah. to hold off to it. So it, there's a, there's a plethora of things. I know the door is still open for him to, to stay on the team and to come back for his junior season. Um, that's not, you know, close to him. I think he's mulling things over at the moment. I'm not sure, you know, what his status is with being in town or, or what at the moment, but uh, I'll just say that with him being taken off the roster Monday, it wasn't just some glitch of the system or somebody, you know, screwed up and accidentally took him off. It was done for a reason. And uh, it could be a similar situation. Markel Benton went down the line. He's taken off for good. One of four different punters Alabama has run out there in the last two seasons. Skylar DeLong, Will Riker, Ty Pirine, and Mike Bernier. So uh, still trying to get that situation figured out as Alabama Two years later, Charlie, still trying to fill the big right shoe of J.K. Scott. Um, we mentioned Alabama uh, working ahead towards what we hope to be uh, some semblance of fall camp here in the next couple of weeks. I guess the next few days, though, the ACC expected to uh, convene the presidents of the ACC and, uh, and, and perhaps consider a, a scheduling format. There have been reports, there had been reports later on Tuesday that perhaps the ACC is going to continue to sort of kick the can in that regard further down the road. The SEC expected to convene virtually the school presidents on Thursday. I saw Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic with an interesting tweet on Tuesday afternoon in that she's hearing from some Power 5 athletic directors that college football may actually want to see what the NFL does first. Uh, and that's sensible because we are talking about the difference between, quote, amateur, end quote, athletes and professional athletes. So I guess as we sit here heading into the midweek, Charlie, it's uh, still a big old who really knows sub that we're, we're contemplating here. Yeah, that's kind of been this this summer and this offseason in the microcosm. But it, it makes sense to see what the NFL is doing. I mean, teams and, and players reported on Tuesday for training camp, um, you know, they're going to have to dwindle their rosters down to a smaller number than what are going to be on college campuses across the country. But to see what they do and how they handle it is, is a good way of going about it. I think uh, the only problem is you're going to have to start making some decisions pretty soon. I mean, Greg Byrne back in, um, you know, late March, early April, uh, maybe even a little later months and in, in time is not a concept that is very um, relevant to me anymore. It seems like, but uh he had talked about how late July was really a, a deciding factor in all this well on into or in the early portions of this uh, pandemic. So this has always kind of been the target date where some, um, you know, some very important decisions are going to be made in terms of the season and scheduling. And, um, you know, Alabama at the moment doesn't have the September 5th opener. I know there have been reports out there about what they're going to do to, to kick off the season. As of right now, the, the first game would be uh, the following week on September 12th against um Georgia State, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, if, if that's the case, then they would open up a preseason camp um, on August 14th. If they get an opener on the, the 5th, and you know there have been reports that's been BYU, there have been other teams floated out there, they would start next week 
on August 7th. But we've seen reports this week that uh, there's a potential that teams could schedule games as early as week zero and start playing on August 29th. And if that's the case, then uh, preseason camp would, would start this week. So um, I don't know how long they'll have to, to take a look at what the NFL is doing. I know, you know getting that in and, and seeing how the NFL operates in this new uh, reality that we live in is is smart, but you know with college football and the schedule that's out there, you know, fast approaching. I think some of these decisions are still going still to have to be made pretty soon. Here's what's problematic about waiting on the NFL: the NFL doesn't have preseason games this year. You know, if the NFL still had some semblance of a preseason, even just two games, even if the NFL preseason was going to be, you know, the last weekend. In, in August and then that first weekend, that Labor Day weekend in September, well, you know, you'd at least have something to go on there. Uh, but if you truly are going to wait on the NFL, you know, the NFL regular season doesn't start until the weekend of September 12th. So, yeah, if that's your sort of approach to this thing, ultimately, um, you know, you're looking at, well, you know, probably an October start, because if you're really going to take the time to see how it works, for the NFL, you're not going to, you know, go ahead and say, okay, well, two days after the NFL's opening weekend, we're going to start game week, you know, for Georgia, perhaps, and Alabama's particular cir- uh, circumstance. So, yeah, it's uh, there's still so much out there, so many moving pieces, and here we are heading into the month of August. Hey, Charlie, something else wanted to get with you on the podcast this morning. Uh, we saw the top 50 players in college football issued by 247sports.com on Tuesday. Chris Hummer, the national college football writer for 247sports.com, one of them anyway. And our friend Charles Power, BOL alum, really heavily involved in constructing that list. And uh, I think it's safe to say Alabama pretty well represented there on that top 50. They were, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I, I saw the list. I got an embargoed uh, version of it before it came out, and I just you know sent a quick reply. And this is usually something that I do because one, it's me being lazy, but two, it, it ends up being the case is, is Alabama or does Alabama have the most players on the list? And it didn't take thirty seconds, and the response was <laughs> yes by far. And you know, looking at it, Alabama has six players in the top fifty, and all six are in the top twenty six. And so yeah, that, that shows the. The the talent on this roster, I was a bit surprised that none of those six players came in the top ten. Um, I think a guy like Jalen Waddle and the way that he can affect the game in so many ways uh, deserves to be up there. Maybe a Najee Harris. Uh, I think Dylan Moses, to, to see how the defense looked without him last year, uh, deserves to be in that category. But, I mean, the guys are on the list. You can't disagree with any of them. Jalen Waddle came in at the top of the list at 13. Two spots later, you had Devontae Smith, who had a breakout season last year, top of 1,000 yards. Um, Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle, is number 19. 21's Dylan Moses. 23 is Patrick Tristan, the second cornerback. Uh, and then Najee is number 26. So, uh, I, you know, if you asked me to, to guess the players that were going to be on that list, I would have probably thrown out all of those names. And um, I think that, that maybe Waddle of the group deserves to be ranked a little bit higher. But, um, you know, it just goes to show that Alabama has a lot of returning talent. And a lot of those guys – um, have been starters for a few years now. You know, four of them, I believe, are, are seniors, um, or at least Dylan Moses is a redshirt junior, but he would have been a senior. 
so so they're leaders and um i think it goes to show that that alabama is you know they're going to be on the field they're going to be set up once again to, to have one of the best rosters and one of the best teams in college football yeah it's not just this list that if you're an alabama fan really gets you excited and hopeful about a 2020 college football season you really want to see what this team can accomplish and not just because of the six guys in the top 26, as you alluded to. There's guys that didn't make this top 50 that you probably could make an argument for for being in there as well. I know that's getting a little greedy when you have far and away the most guys on the list. But just from the Alabama perspective, you know, and I get it and I understand it. And it was it was uh, denoted by uh, by Chris, I guess, in the piece was that, you know, positional value was going to play a part in in how these rankings were carried out and look 26 out of the top 20 out of the top 50 players is nothing to sneeze at and I get it again from a positional value standpoint but if I'm just looking at Alabama guys and how I would rank them uh, Najee Harris has probably got to be a little bit ahead of probably Patrick Sertan the second and maybe for me even maybe Dylan Moses because and and I get Dylan's value. That that's where it's tough. Again, when you're just talking value between Dylan Moses and Najee Harris, that's where I get that. But I want to see Dylan too. You know, that's been that's one of the big mysteries, obviously, going into uh, you know this run up to the season is you know where exactly is he at in that return from a knee injury? I suspect he's in great shape. Medicine being what it is, technology being what it is. Uh, the sports science center that's now in play over there off Bryant drive. Uh, I'm sure he's in a good spot from a health perspective, but the, the reality of the, the matter is we haven't seen Dylan in a long time. That's true. And um, it is always worrisome coming off a knee injury. I mean, I always think back to, to Anthony Jennings and he was a man on fire in that Clemson game. And then it just took him some time to come back. And I think with Dylan, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time because had he um, been healthy and even with the injury he had considered leaving and was potentially going to be a first round draft pick. So I, I, the window is, is small for, for Dylan just to come back into to contribute because you got to think he's going to leave after this year. And, you know, given that it is, uh, uh, the situation we're in and it could be a shortened season, uh, you know, God forbid it gets moved to the spring. A guy like Dylan probably doesn't play, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, but, but I agree that, you know, you want to be able to see him, you know, go through drills and, and look like the Dylan Moses of old. That's why, you know, not having spring practice and getting to go out there for those uh, media viewing periods, uh, it, it sucks because you don't get to see guys like that come back from injury and and write about that and you know hear and see how how excited they are to be back with their teammates. But um, if he is healthy, uh, Dylan Moses is one of the best defensive players in the country, and he's very very important uh, to this Alabama defense and his success in 2020. Yeah, and again, understanding value. But I'll I'll tell you what does have value, and I think we all know this, uh, getting in the end zone. Najee did that 20 times total last year. There's a lot of value when a guy can do it the way Najee Harris can between running the football and also as a receiver. Speaking of the Alabama offense, when we come back from this break, we're going to get into a depth chart scenario. That's right, the two words. 
that are absolutely despised by Nicholas Lou Saban Jr. We're going to get into the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we're talking about football perhaps in the midst of a pandemic. You think depth and depth chart takes on even additional meaning in 2020? Yeah, we do too. And that's why we'll talk about the Alabama offense in depth when the Built by Bama online podcast returns right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back with more of the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at BOL. So let's do it, Charlie. Let's get into the offensive side of the ball. You know, I think we know because there is so much returning production and experience with this Alabama offense that you know, penciling in starters isn't going to be all that difficult. There is some intrigue on that offensive line with a starter to be replaced there. Obviously, a couple of dynamic uh, receivers really for all time that you got to replace there in that rotation. Uh, the quarterback situation speaks for itself, although you got a pretty good look at Mac Jones a year ago, but depth at a lot of these spots. Um, again, because of the current situation and the unknowns, once you get into a season, perhaps, and because of the COVID-19 situation and just injuries in general, goodness knows this Alabama team knows all about injuries the last couple of three years. So let's start with that offensive line, Charlie. And, you know, you look at that group four returning starters. We've talked about it in the past. Seems as simple at right tackle with Jedrick Wills moving on as Evan Neal going from left guard to right tackle. But in that scenario, you're still looking for a starter. Um we haven't touched on this in a little while. Where are you at with, with left guard, perhaps? And it and it, it may not be left guard that's the spot, but that's that's what it looks like it's going to be as we, we head into uh, preseason practices. Yeah, I still feel like that makes the most sense, kicking Evan Neal out to right tackle because you know he was the nation's number one uh, player at that position in the 2019 cycle. And uh, he, he hasn't played there at the collegiate level. That's obviously a, a concern. Maybe a guy like Landon Dickerson, uh, who's shown the versatility, and we've seen him take practice reps at all uh, at every spot on the offensive line. Maybe he moves there. You have a, a spot open at center where you have a couple of, of options. But it just right now on paper and without seeing any practices, Evan Neal makes a lot of sense, um, You know, given his frame and his background. And if that's the case – you have that spot at left guard, and I think a guy like Emil Ekior makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a guy that uh, he's kind of been in the equation for a while now. Um, you know, Nick Saban has brought up his name when talking about that interior depth and, and guys that can um, you know play a role. And yeah, he's he's a player that's been in the program for a few years, and uh, I think that with that opportunity, uh, he makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's a guy that uh, has come from Indianapolis. Uh, he has a he's played center he's he's played guard he's he's been a, a career backup but a guy that you know we've seen come on the field in emergency situations and uh, you know take some first team reps if need be so and that would be where i would lean right now but i think with 
the guys that they have. Uh, Alex Leatherwood's not going to move, and Deontay Brown's going to be somewhere at guard, but they have some position flexibility. If, if Dickerson were to kick out to tackle, which I don't know if that's something he would be up to doing, but something I think is, is on the table, then you look at maybe a, a Chris Owens, who started the first four or five games last year at center a Darian Dalcourt who's one of the a couple of promising young players on the roster so I think with the offensive line there's a lot of, of options a lot of flexibility when it comes to to the starting lineup and and just depth at the interior I think where where I get uh, a little concerned and we can probably talk about this in a second is the the depth of tackle because you know there's just not a lot of other options with a lot of experience outside of Leatherwood so you know, for me I would I would lean toward Neil kicking out and Ekior stepping in, but you know I've been surprised before walking out there for that first viewing period and seeing <laughs> something that we just didn't even see uh, coming. So uh, you know we'll see. I think you're right though in that you're pretty happy if you're Kyle Flood with not just the the quantity that you've got. I think you got some really quality options, and you also have some versatility, not just with that first group because you mentioned a guy like Landon Dickerson has extensive experience across the front between his time at Florida State uh, and even in his first season at Alabama. But, you know, there's some young guys that we've seen at uh, guard and tackle, guys like Pierce Quick uh, that you could perhaps factor in there, uh, Tommy Brown that's worked at, at guard and tackle. Um, tackle depth, that seems to be the biggest issue for just about any program out there, even Alabama's. Um, but there are some some formulas that, if pressed into it, uh, as you said, Elaine and Dickerson, you can throw out there. You can kick him out to right tackle if you needed to. But uh, I guess what we ought to look at, too, is, and I agree with you on Emil Echior, I think Emil Echior, too, tell me what you think, probably benefits from this pandemic from just a pure football perspective, obviously, in that because of the loss of spring practice, I'm not sure how crazy you're going to be about messing with your continuity at center with Landon Dickerson. If you have kind of a condensed run-up to a season, you're going to want to probably have that veteran right there in the middle instead of maybe looking in at him at right tackle and keeping Evan Neal at left guard. Although Ekior could be an option at center as well, but maybe that's Darian Dahlcourt more so if you have a spring and you have a typical run-up to a regular season, a fall camp. Um, so I'm with you on Ekior, but but what about a second group and – uh, you said it, the the situation at tackle, you might have to get perhaps a little creative there, depending on what Amari Kite's done maybe in the offseason. Again, Tommy Brown in this offseason. That's where you could have to get uh, an inventive a little bit maybe with your depth. Yeah, and uh, I think Brown, Tommy Brown, um, yeah, is one of the top options as a reserve. But you mentioned Pierce Quick. He's a guy that we've seen at multiple spots on the offensive line. We've seen a guy like Kendall Randolph play some tackle. Uh, Chris Owens has played some tackle. So there's a lot of guys that have had some at least practice reps or maybe some late in-game reps uh, at the tackle spot. It's just it's, it's a little worrisome because you don't really have anybody that's established um, other than Leatherwood. Of course, you're not going to have someone that's as experienced as an Alex Leatherwood, uh, but you would like to have somebody. That's, that's where it hurts losing a guy like Scott Lashley 
this offseason, the guy that transferred to uh, Mississippi State. Um, you know, he's a player that early on in his career there was some uh, positive buzz on, but you know, the Alabama just continued to recruit the tackle position at an extremely high level, bringing in guys like Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills, and um, you know, the rest of the guys have been kind of left to scraps, so to say. So, um, if, if Amari Kite can take that next step, if Tommy Brown can uh, continue to develop, if if Pierce Quick or Kendall Randolph find a home at tackle or spend extensive time there. You feel better about it, but um, you know, just in terms of the the twos, I, I think there's there's several players that that make a lot of sense there. And you know, if if uh, Ekior fills the spot at um, left guard, you you have Chris Owens and Dario, Darian Dalcourt who can play guard and center. Dalcourt probably more of the center with the twos. Uh, you mentioned Randolph, Quick, Brown. You have Tanner Bowles. You have Amari Kai. There's just a there's a lot of names, just not, it's just not a lot of experience. And so yeah. I think the offensive line is the strongest position group um, on the roster. Uh, I, I ranked the, the five position groups on each side of the ball um, last week, and they came out number one. And, and a lot of it has to do with those four returning starters. But there's a lot of promising young players in the waiting in the wing. And the, most of those guys primarily play interior positions. But if they need to, I think they can play tackle in a pinch. Speaking of depth on that offensive line impacting other positions, what about tight end last year? And we'll look at the tight ends now. Miller forced all back for his final season. It's been an injury checkered sort of career for Miller uh, here in Tuscaloosa. Hopeful he can get through a full season in good shape in 2020. Uh, but Carl Tucker comes in from North Carolina Charlie, I think that's an answer to a couple of things from a year ago. First of all, when you're having to convert multiple offensive linemen, not just one, but two, two offensive linemen to help give you some extra thump, perhaps in the run game, like Alabama did a year ago, uh, that tells you they, they felt like they had a real need there, obviously. So they go out on the grad transfer market, pick up uh, Carl Tucker, and then also, you know, no fault of his own, but again, Miller's just had some problems staying on the field. It's been a very unfortunate sort of stretch in some ways for him. Last year, he misses the entire month of November with the with the uh, the, the bizarre throat injury. And so uh, you may be killing a couple of birds with one stone there, hopefully, in Carl Tucker. I think it is a big pickup, and you know it was a position of need. I know Alabama signed Caden Clark in the 2020 cycle, but, um, on sunny day, Nick Saban mentioned tight end is a, a spot where they would like to add one more. Um, that was the, the early signing period. And then they had uh, through February to, to add another. And they eventually went the, the grad trades for a route. And he does fit, uh, multiple needs for, for this offense and primarily being an inline blocker because it lacked that last year. And you know, Forstall, he's, he's been a, a serviceable player throughout his career. He's been a contributor since day one as a true freshman, a lot of people forget that he beat out uh, Herb Smith that came in the same class, and he got on the field first. Um, but he's dealt with injuries his sophomore year. He suffered ACL injury. Uh, he, he hurt his foot before last season, didn't really go through any preseason practices last year. And then I think that kind of hampered him uh, to start the 2019 season, and I think that probably affected his blocking as well. He didn't play very well to begin the year. Uh, then he you know, gets healthy, <laughs> breaks his throat, and then has to sit out until the bowl game. And I think that Michigan game really helped his confidence. And you mentioned uh, how you know not having spring practice benefits some players. I think it really benefits a guy like Forstall because 
he can really focus on his body, get healthy for this final year, and and uh, really improve a position I think was lacking last year. You know, Major Tennyson and Jaleel Billingsley are back. They're guys that have got plenty of reps last year uh, when Four Star went down. You know, uh, Cameron Latou has had he has a one or another year of, of tight end under his belt. Michael Parker, the same thing. Uh, it's a relatively deep group. It's just you know, it, it like a lot of them, it lacks uh, experience and. Getting Forrestal healthy, adding a guy like Carl Tucker, and having some of those young guys like Tennyson and Billingsley get those reps last year I think will help uh, this group maybe take that next step in 2020. The reality, too, is even for an Alabama that recruits lights out, it's getting harder and harder to find legit true tight ends in high school football. With all these spread offenses – you're seeing it more and more. Guys like Jalil Billingsley, you watch his high school tape. He was a guy that split out wide. Miller was the same way in mm-hmm. high school football. So you're having the tight end position as much as any other on the field at this point is really becoming a developmental spot because you just don't see a lot of high school offenses doing stuff with the tight end and the H-back positions like Alabama does, like you see in the National Football League. So you know, that adds to the challenge as well. Let's move to running back. And you obviously know what you've got at this point at the top of that depth chart with Najee Harris and, of course, Brian Robinson, two veterans uh, entering their final seasons in the program. But should be a lot of fun sort of figuring it out from there. Trey Sanders coming off the injury. Keelan Robinson showed some flash as a true freshman. Uh, and then you got these three, three true freshmen coming in. Uh how much room do you think there is if you go ahead and you factor Harris and Robinson there at the top of that depth chart? Where do you go from there? Yeah, there are a lot of mouths to feed, and, and obviously Najee's going to probably get a line share, the lion's share of the carries. He deserves that coming off the year that he had last year. But Alabama's had you know really talented backs, and they've split carries up. I mean, look at what they did a couple of years ago with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and, and Najee. Uh, they had a real uh, three uh, back attack. And I think they can have that this year with, with Najee and Brian Robinson and, and Trey Sanders, if he's healthy, and I think he should be, you know, a year removed for that foot injury he suffered in preseason camp. Uh, and, and he's a guy, I think before that injury that was going to really contribute. So, I think getting him back just bolsters this running back group. Um, I know you're a big fan of Keelan Robinson. I yes. think he, can be, he can be a factor uh, in the re- receiving game, but I think he can also be a guy that if you want to give uh, Jalen Waddle a little bit of a breather, he's a guy that can return uh, kickoffs as well. You kind of um, please him a little bit with some touches in the return game. But uh, I, I think what happens behind Najee will be one of the more fascinating things on this team because there's just a lot of talent i mean the guys they brought in jace mcclellan roy dale williams even kyle edwards they're not slouches and alabama's played plenty of true freshmen at the running back position in the past it's just can they beat out guys like brian robinson and trey sanders uh, robinson obviously being a, a guy that's played all four or all three years and we'll see the field as a, a senior and, and trey sanders being a former five-star recruit that um you know was the number one player at his position so how it plays out behind Najee will be really interesting. I think Brian Robinson probably starts the season as the number two option with Trey Sanders at number three, but we've seen it kind of shift as seasons have progressed. Uh, we saw Josh Jacobs kind of take over the the running back spot a couple of years ago in 2018, and it wouldn't surprise me to see. I, I think Najee still stays number one, obviously, but maybe some shifting in terms of the pecking order as the season progresses. Yeah, and, and the scenario that we're really doing this in, we're kind of looking at, what happens if 
you know, like with Miller Forstall, who we just talked about at tight end. Well, Miller continues to suffer from the misfortune of injuries. You're going to have a veteran guy, an experienced guy in Carl Tucker there in all likelihood at the top of your depth chart. Uh, if something happens to Najee, that's when it gets interesting in terms of your your top back. Um, perhaps it is Brian Robinson. I guess the biggest luxury you have in all of that, if it plays out that way, is that your offensive line, uh, it, it may not matter all that much who you put back there behind them because uh, that guy or guys are going to benefit a great deal. But it, it could become pretty situational pretty quick, couldn't it, if something happens to Najee? It could, yeah. I mean, we've we've seen Brian Robinson really fill the role of a, a short yardage back. Uh, he's even played some some fullback and some H back. And I think that you know a guy like Trey Sanders or maybe even a Keelan Robinson uh, can really uh, play a factor in the passing game. So I, I think it does become situationally if in if in the case that something happens to Najee or you know if if you're looking at what ifs if maybe the the season gets pushed back or you know if, if there's a spring season uh Najee is a guy that you could look at that maybe chooses not to play and yeah. in that situation you know there you're gonna have to have these guys step up and there's plenty of capable players I think running backs probably the deepest position group on the offensive side of the ball uh but you just you lose that bell cow I think Trey Sanders can can be that because we haven't seen it from him so there are question marks there uh, but yeah, I mean, Brian Robinson would be your guy on, on third and short that you trot out there and try to pick up a first down or somebody near the goal line. And, uh, I think you mix and match with some of these young guys as well. But and the, the, the good thing is, like you said, they have that offensive line to run behind and they have numbers. Um, and then they're not afraid to play true freshmen. Those guys usually get on the field, uh, early as, um, as first year players. And, uh, I think a guy like Jace McClellan could, could benefit from that if that were to be the case. Yeah, in the scenario of a spring season, there would likely be good news, bad news, with the potential of the bad news involving Najee Harris perhaps opting out in that scenario. The good news could be, Charlie, that you'd have Trey Sanders at that point like 18 months removed from his injury. You know what I mean? You'd you'd get this extra fall for him to really get right before you see him start his redshirt freshman season. So that that could be a, a a silver lining if in fact it it ends up going that way. Let's talk wide receivers. Um, you know, just a, an aberration. I don't know any other way to describe it. You just don't see what Alabama's done the last couple of years with four guys that can beat you at that position. And so now that's been reduced. That's been cut in half. Any other time in Alabama football history, if I told you, look, you're going to return your returning receipt, your leading receiver who was over a thousand yards last year, 14 touchdown catches. Uh, and you're going to bring back this other guy who's like David Palmer running a four, three instead of a four, five Alabama fans feel pretty good about it. I think Alabama fans still feel pretty good about Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. Um, but opportunity beckons. And so, uh, when you get into that depth right now and you think about John Mechie and Xavier Williams and Slade Bolden, um, are you thinking one of those three guys for sure and then maybe get into these true freshmen when you look at depth? Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting questions. And I, I agree. I mean, with this group um, and what it lost with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs moving on, uh, most teams, it would be a complete rebuild. I mean, you, you don't really come back immediately from losing 
two first round draft picks, but Alabama just pushes two more, you know, potential first round draft picks at the top of the list. And they're obviously going to have to fill in where Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle were on the field. I think John Mechie makes the most sense just because we saw him kind of be that fifth receiver as a true freshman last year. I, I think that if they were to go with, with three wide outs and we see them use three wide outs uh, quite a bit that Mechie is the guy. Um, I think Slade Bolden is really one of the more, um, interesting players in the roster i think more like a wild card because we saw him use a lot last year we saw him in the wildcat we saw him uh you know get some reps at receiver uh over a guy like uh, tyrell shavers and uh Xavier williams and i think he's a player that um yeah he's, he's a little different he's smaller uh he he fits in the slot system he can play wildcat he has a background as a quarterback and uh i think he's a really interesting aspect uh, and a player at the position. Now it's going to be tough for, for guys like Bolden and Xavier Williams to hold off some of these young guys because they are impressing in the short time they've been on campus and, and back uh, with the team. A guy like Javon Baker's um, someone we've heard a lot about. Uh, even uh, Dr. Matt Ray was talking about his speed and, and how he's improved there. And that's been one of the biggest question marks for a guy like Baker. So for me, I think Mechie is the, the clear choice at number three. Uh, and then I think it's going to get really interesting after that. I think some of these young guys are, are going to make a compelling argument uh, for that, you know, four spot or first guy off the bench. And uh, we've seen it, you know, with 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 Smitty. We've seen it with Waddle. The true freshmen, you know, they're they're not a, they're not afraid to throw them into the lineup. And Alabama has, you know, a few of those guys. Whether it's Javon Baker, Thayu Jones Bell, Treshawn Holden. Uh, I think everybody that's on scholarship. Uh, at receiver at Alabama this year is going to have a chance to get on the field and uh, having to replace a guy like Judy and, and Ruggs, you feel pretty good with having that number of guys that are able to compete. One thing I learned about Slade Bolden last year is that the coaching staff really trust him because they didn't just put him in some of those wildcat situations against New Mexico State and Western Carolina. They had him in there in some big, big spots against teams like Tennessee, LSU, Auburn. Um, so that spoke volumes to me. Uh, before we even get into his skill set, talent, all those things, uh, they feel like he can be trusted in the biggest spots uh, in some of the biggest games on the schedule. I do think, again, when we talk about no spring practice and perhaps a, a weird run-up to whatever kind of season we're going to have uh, – you know, the vets, they should benefit from the experience and the offense. They should be able at this point to uh, at any point play any of the three primary positions if that's what they're asked to do. That's where the newcomers are going to have to catch up a little bit. But again, one of those areas, Charlie, that we're going to talk about that you know, to start the season, it may look like this. But three or four games into the season, it could look a good bit different, at least from a depth perspective, you think. Yeah, I mean, this is where those young guys kind of could take that step because, um, you know, Nick Saban said it and he said it before. I mean, obviously, this is it's most prevalent now because of the unique situation we're in. But, you know, the teams that have more veteran players are going to be better off and those veteran players are going to be able to weather the storm the best. They're the ones that have experience in the in the program, they know the system, they know the offense, they know the defense, and these young guys are the ones that are going to benefit the most from a spring practice because they get kind of caught up and get acclimated to it. So without that and you know, with them just having gone through um, workouts and being on campus in the last couple of months, those guys are having to play catch-up. So 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, the guys that have been in the program for a while, um, you know, start the season and be in the rotation early, but then maybe a guy like Baker, uh, kind of, you know, take the spot of one of them later on. Once he gets comfortable within the offense, that could be the same for uh, a lot of these positions, whether it's running back, um, you know, one of the offensive line positions from a, from a depth perspective, maybe even, uh, you know, tied in with Tucker, maybe he, you know, climbs the pecking order and becomes the number one tight end. I mean, he's a guy that was on the, the Mackie Ward watch list, for God's sake. So it's it's a situation where the guys that have been there are going to benefit the most early on. But you know, some of these guys that are you know, talented newcomers that were generating some buzz just from you know workouts on the band practice field. I mean, once they get in and get comfortable, then they're going to be looking to take a job. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the more fascinating things about looking at the depth chart is what will it look like week one, and then maybe you know four or five games down the road, how different is it? That's where this sort of phase that we're in now with the mandatory workouts, these freshmen really need to be soaking it in because mm-hmm. with the walkthroughs taking place, with the on-the-field coaches, with the coaching staff, with a football present, um, it's tough to sort of jam a lot into a few weeks to a month. But to have an opportunity for a lot of these guys anyway – to make that kind of impact early, I think this is a, a segment of the run-up that's going to be critical to that. Speaking of that, we'll finish with the quarterbacks here on this edition of the Bama Online Podcast. I guess what interests me as much as anything, and I'm I'm anxious to see Bryce Young, and I'm anxious to see you know Mac Jones, and does he take another step following all the experience he got a year ago? But I want to hear from Nick Saban. I want to hear how do you prepare quarterbacks in a situation like this compared to previous years when you had 15 practices in the spring and you had, you know, a full fall camp and um, you weren't worried about maybe week to week, what your roster was going to look out, look like in terms of, you know, having a legitimate competition, how is that impacted? Um, Just the breakdown, Charlie, and and how they're going to go about, you know, getting these guys snaps, trying to let them compete, not just the top you know guys that we perceive to be with Young and Jones, but Paul Tyson as well. And then once you get into the season, you know how that breakdown works because I I got to think there's going to be more reps for your two and three than there's ever been before once you get into the regular season. Yeah, I think. First of all, I think that with there only being three scholarship quarterbacks, that we're going to see plenty of Bryce Young because you got to get him snaps. He doesn't have those spring practices to lean on. And, you know, we've seen Alabama in the past couple of years, the, the starter go down and the backup, you know, have to come in. And you're going to want to get him as much experience and repetitions and, um, you know, just going through the motions as possible. So uh, I think that we're going to see him play. It's just. Again, it it sounds like a broken record, but with no spring practice, it benefits the older player in Mac Jones. Now, Bryce Young is a stellar talent. Um, he, he's kind of like, you know, when we talk about David Blue and, and Matt Ray, there's never been really a negative thing said about them. The same could be said for Bryce Young, whether it's what he can do on the field, you know, how he is as a person in the locker room. Uh, it, it's just all positive and sterling reviews, but he hasn't been through, a, you know, a, a full college practice yet. They're going through walkthroughs and some, you know, individual stuff. Now he hasn't been through a full practice at this point yet. And you know, like you said, the, it, it's going to be really important to, to get them up to speed. And I think this is where uh, kind of carrying over to what you, you said before you swap to the quarterbacks, 
where these Zoom meetings in the offseason, how they were able to work with uh, the players on just specific things each day and not going out on the practice field and then kind of forgetting about it or you know switching to something else quickly. Uh, I think that's where it, it will help a little bit. It's obviously not going to replace something like spring practice, but you know, getting those guys in the playbook and, and breaking it down all offseason long and, and showing them film uh, will help. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, experience is, is most important. And I think all three of these guys are going to have to, to play this year because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know from, uh, you know, if, if somebody tests positive, if you're going to have to throw the backup out there or, or whatever, or if the backup is sick, then the third string guy becomes the backup. There, there's just so many moving parts. And I think the quarterback position is the most interesting because it is the most important uh, position on the field. But um, you know, with the competition, everything like that, it's going to be one that is going to be probably different than what we've seen in recent years, just because of the lack of practice time. I think Mac Jones is, will be the guy that starts game one. And then maybe you move from there. If, if Bryce Young proves to be, uh, if they trust him with the offense and he's the better player you go with that, but it's, it's going to be something that kind of, you know, we have to wait to see unfold. And right now they haven't even really been through a true full practice yet to, to even determine that. Yeah, I think a couple things, again, working in your favor, and it sort of, if you get into your depth chart, a quarterback, for whatever reason, it, it goes back to the first group we talked about. We talked about it in extension of the running back situation, that offensive line. You can really lean on it if it comes down to it. You can lean on the running game. Um, you can do that from the opening snap if you're in a good place at, at quarterback and running back in terms of availability. Um you know, with Bryce Young, he comes off to me as a really advanced guy mm-hmm. in terms of football IQ and his ability to pick up concepts. But what will help him, too, is that even if he gets it wrong, he has the ability physically to make it right. And he has that ability to cover for stuff at other spots, too. So um, that's something he's going to benefit from even with the inexperience and the loss of practice time and, um, you know, and, and all the things that, that could be a part of that, uh, he just seems to be that type of gifted player that uh, can cover for some things, not only that perhaps are the fault of his own, but involving others around him as well. I think we covered it, Charlie. What about you? Yeah, just quickly adding on to that point, I, I talked to his quarterback coach at, in high school and that's, where Bryce Young thrives is those off-platform throws where he's where things break down and and he's having to kind of make things up on the fly and we saw that with Tua. I mean, Tua is really good at that. Of course, you know we know that he probably needed to throw the football away a little earlier than he did sometimes and and had that you know kind of superhero complex. We're trying to score every play, but but Bryce Young is that same type of player, but he's very decisive, very quick, and and. Um, you know, gets rid of that, and they they try to take that away from him sometimes, and and do some more, um, you know, natural throws and and things like that. And um, I think that that'll that'll definitely benefit him for sure. And and having the the talent around him that we just kind of outlawed on this this whole entire offense, whether it's up from the offensive line at receiver, uh, at running back, uh, even at tight end. Um, you know, those guys need to improve as blockers, but there's some talented tight ends there. Whoever wins this quarterback job and, and whoever's behind center, um, you know, has a talented crew around them. And uh, I really hope that the season happens on time or at least in some capacity this fall and not in the spring so that we can see these guys together and just see that the talent that Alabama has on offense. 
Yeah, the other side of that playmaking ability at quarterback is Alabama learned the last couple of years. You can uh, you can lose some snaps as a result of it. Not just Tua either. Uh, we forget that you know even Jalen as the backup a couple of years ago had the ankle and you know was sidelined there for a little bit as well. Well, Charlie, as always, appreciate you taking the time here on the Bama Online Podcast. Always great work for us there at BamaOnline.com as well. Thanks a lot, Charlie. No problem, man. Always good to catch up. Absolutely. Charlie Potter, I'm Travis Ryer. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? You can do that whether you consume your podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, you name it. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to us, the Bama Online Podcast podcast and of course keep it locked to bamaonline.com you want all that breaking news that charlie and hank south tim watts the rest of us there provide to you on a daily basis you can do that at bamaonline.com thanks again for joining us we'll talk to you again real soon everyone is talking about if i'm gonna go to limb human i like it i love it it's original and heartfelt And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. This is just so exciting. If. Witty PG, now playing in theaters.